Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. and welcome to this special uh, spoiler review of the season finale of house of the dragon brought to you by the geek buddies <gasps> hey! neither one of us are riding dragons but we're ready to talk about house of the dragon here the season finale the black queen of course last week we had Everything to do with the Greens. Well, this week is everything to do with the Blacks side of the Civil War equation. And we want to give a big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. There's no Civil War at the Carbon Health. You can just go there and get checked out. If you happen to take part in Dragon Civil War and get any injuries, just go there to CarbonHealth.com. Get it checked out today. Download the app as well. If uh, you're in Arizona, Sedona, and you need to get checked out, have some ghost encounters. Uh, and you need, you're a little scared, you want to go get checked out, you can do that using the app as well to find the nearest Carbon Health place near you. Um, all right, let's jump into this finale here. Oh, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Hogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where I was in, uh, yeah, Sedona, Arizona this past weekend. Beautiful, beautiful place. And I also went on a ghost tour in Jerome, Arizona, allegedly one of the most haunted places in the U.S. Mm. And? Buckus. (laughs) (laughs) If it it were... Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to poke at the supernatural. I I'm a big chicken, so I don't want that. Um, oh, I should have said boopkiss, boopkiss. That would have oh. been better. Oh my god! And what the ghost that? is now leaving the room. <laughs> Even the ghost is now. Nah, I can't. Boo! Not the scary boo. Oh, the critical okay. boo. We're boo. done. We're done. We're moving on. <laughs> All right, episode ten, the Black Queen. This brings to end a fantastic first season. I think I speak for the two gentlemen with me here. A fantastic first season of House of the Dragon, kind of redeeming the Game of Thrones franchise and the brand and the IP here to get people back on board and excited. Seeing so many people on social media expressing their uh, sadness that they're going to have to wait till 2024 till we see a season two for this show. So it feels like we're back into the rhythms of Game of Thrones again uh, in our world. Michael, overall thoughts on this finale and how it kind of wrapped up the storylines from previous nine episodes leading into this finale. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they really, uh, I watched it last night with my brother, mm. and we were both remarking afterwards how they really did it. We went from, if if you guys remember, the week before House of the Dragon came out, our oh, yeah. Geek Buddies topic was, uh, are you ready to go back to Westeros? What do we think? Mm-hmm. And there was, there was interest, there was uh, maybe some hopeful optimism, but there was a lot of, eh, we'll see, I don't know, I don't know if this is really going to do it for me. And when you kind of track the arc of, oh, that was better than I thought. Oh, I'm really interested to where we are now, where I think all three of us are firmly back in the obsessing over Westeros. Like every single one of these character arcs, all the interplay between the families, between the main family, between the side families. I mean, really, they just got us right back into everything where I was one of the people that that thing got done. I was like, I have to wait over a year. I am so pissed. And I think... As I said, you know, what, 10, 11 weeks ago now, I am so happy to be back in the excited about Westeros and Game of Thrones bandwagon. Like, I'm so thrilled about it that I don't have to hate it anymore. I don't have to be like, oh, they really let me down. Did they let me down? They did at one point, but they are clawing their way back into my heart like a dragon, uh, and I am all about it. (laughs) Shannon, your thoughts on this season finale here as we wrap up the... uh first uh season of um of game of, of uh, house of the dragon i mean it, it it was dynamite it was dynamite i mean th- their continuing uh, uh ability to make us feel one way about a character and then have us feel a a, a a completely opposite way it it continues to go i mean even in this episode there was somebody that like oh yeah you're an okay guy no you're a piece of shit ah you might be okay <laughs> i mean it's just it, it is it is a ping pong match that is that is just just a blast and for a show that was you know very very light on action what we did get with this episode was just so tense and so nail-biting and again not knowing the books not knowing the level of what is to come i'm like if this is a sample of that um it seems like as vogel said you know game of thrones has clawed its way back into our hearts um the performances across the board especially uh Emma, Emma, is it Darcy or DRC? Yeah, yeah. Emma DRC is just, just such an incredible, incredible performer. And watching how all of these supporting stories, um, how, how we are just as invested in them as we are with the main stories yeah. and the characters, the stuff that they set up six episodes ago, starting to pay off. I mean, it's just, it's just so, so well done. And knowing how um, creatively involved Mikhail uh, Sapochnik was, mm-hmm. knowing that he's not coming back, like it's, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. Um, but Ryan J. Condal like seems to have a really good handle on what the story is. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, shout out to Greg Gatanis who directed this episode. I think did a fantastic job with this episode. You know, Game of Thrones uh, rhythms and patterns are this. Episode 9 is that episode that where everything, where all the shit hits the fan. Episode 10 is the essentially the denouement, the, re, the uh, consequences and repercussions of everything that happened in Episode 9 and then setting up what we were getting in the next season. And I think they accomplished it in some of the best ways possible that evoked some of the best scenes, best moments, best episodes of game of Thrones in the past. I think they did it really well in this finale, focusing on Rhaenyra's journey from unsteady queen to a queen with absolute resolve and the moral high ground in her mind, ready to engage in this civil war 
with Allison. All the feelings, old feelings, have been put in a box, and it is now time to fight by that last shot of her, which is just an incredible piece of acting, as you said, uh, Shannon, by Emma Darcy. Uh, and I think everybody, Matt Smith, thought the kids did a great job, Eve Best, Steve Toussaint, everybody throughout this episode just doing incredible work. Amond up there as well. Everybody doing fantastic work. And the dragons, of course. So uh, let's get into We're going to break this down into sections. I'll, I'll try to rip through everything really quickly so we can talk about it. Uh, we open on the map of the Seven Kingdoms. Rainier and Luceris are talking about his reluctance his reluctance to rule Driftmark, having a conversation about the issue of duty. Rhaenys uh, comes in and tells uh, uh, Rhaenyra and Damon after she sends Luceris away that uh, her father, that Viserys is dead and that Allison has put Aegon on throne. Uh, Daemon thinks that he was slain. They, uh, they also question Rhaenys initially, how she got out, thinking maybe she might be a, a double agent here. Uh, and we see her processing, Rhaenyra processing this information. Daemon questions why Rhaenys did not burn uh, Alicent and uh, the entire family there to the ground. And she says a really brilliant thing. And this is great writing again. She says it was not her war to start. That is awesome. Uh, I love that logical reasoning there. Some people may not like it. I liked it. Rhaenys warns her that the Greens are coming for her and her children. And then Rhaenyra starts to have her baby. We cut to uh, uh, her uh, questioning why the baby, or the midwife rather, and the maesters question why the baby is coming so soon. We cut to Damon giving orders to his military people as Rhaenyra is screaming the whole time. Uh, Luceris and Jaceris are called in to talk to Rhaenyra. She tells them, don't do a damn thing without my permission because I am still in control in this situation. Uh, we hear that Corliss's fever has broken and he is sailing. They don't know where. Damon wants Raven sent to his allies. He says he will fly to Riverland to affirm Lord Tully's support. Jaceris comes in and says he will do no such thing and that no one is to do anything without Rhaenyra's approval. Damon tries to pawn him off, but Jaceris is not having it. He walks out with him. We cut to Damon having the Kingsguard swear to Rhaenyra. He, sees, he says he is presenting them with a choice. As Caraxes walks up, he wants him to swear an oath to Rhaenyra as the queen and Joceris as the heir. And then we see that juxtaposed with Rhaenyra struggling with the birth of the baby and her screams, refusing any help. The blood coming out and the baby is born still, a stillbirth, and is dead, foreshadowing possibly, in my opinion, all the death she will bring about in this war and also the death she's going to experience of her own child yet again. Later on in this episode, Rhaenyra wraps the baby for burial. We cut to them burning the baby in burial ritual with everyone present. And just then, Eric walks up and brings her the crown and swears to Rhaenyra. So let's stop there. Gentlemen, what an opening here for Rhaenyra and the emotional journey that she's going on throughout this opening. Hearing the news about Viserys, hearing the news about losing her path to the Iron Throne, reacting to all of this, dealing with Damon's anger about it all, because, of course, he's lost a brother here and the path to the Iron Throne as well. And then Rhaenys uh, and what her role is in all of this. And then her having the baby and then losing the baby herself and having to burn it. Kind of uh, similar to what uh, Viserys had to do with Ama in the first episode of uh, House of the Dragon. Mike, your thoughts overall and this intro? I mean, overall, it's just really interesting to take this episode and just put it up against uh, episode nine. And just mm. see see where the differences are, but also see the similarities. I mean, you have this moment where... Uh, Rainey's comes in and gives them the information. And much like the scene last week with Alicent and the council, uh, all the men are like, great, let's kill everybody. Let's do it. Let's kill the people. And Alicent is like, and Alicent's like, wait, y'all have been planning this the whole time? And similarly, Damon is like, 
all right, Allison killed Viserys. We got to go to town. Like, let's start fighting. Let's make it all happen. And Rhaenyra is a little bit more in the process. I mean, before the whole before the whole uh, labor happens. And so again, you have this situation where you have these two women that are living very much in the man's world of Westeros, who are both reacting differently. And perhaps if they both followed their first impulses, things would not go the way that they are going to go for the next four seasons of this show. Um, <laughs> similarly with Rhaenys. I mean, you know, a lot of people discussed this with her choice last week and kind of what she said here, not my war to start. Here is another woman who's like, yeah. I am not afraid to get into the shit, but I'm also not going to just go run in Dracarys, everybody, just cause. Yeah. So like you have like these three very, very strong women, each in their own way, um, kind of being like, let's think this through, guys. And the guys are like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, <laughs> similarly, you know, uh, Renera going into labor in this moment and this very difficult labor and all these things that are happening, just comparing that to the pilot episode of the show. Uh, right. with her mom and the labor that she went through that ultimately ended up with another baby that didn't uh, make it for different different reasons, but very similar. And, you know, similar to the very beginning of the show um, where Rhaenyra was like, I don't want to be a baby maker. I don't want to yeah. sit around and make babies. I want to make life. I want to make a difference in a different way. And here you have this moment where she finally gets to be what she always wanted to be. Like, hey, your dad's dead. You're queen now. Yeah. And not only was that to a degree taken away from her by the high towers, but in addition, she then goes into labor. And while all of these decisions are being made, all these really important discussions, the reason she has to pull her kids in and be like, don't do a goddamn thing is because she's stuck having this very, very difficult labor, which is the thing that she never wanted. So it's a really, really interesting choice, I think, to have those two bits lined up. And then even Damon, uh, when he takes Jake out and like has the two guards, we're more on Damon's side than Otto Hightower's, obviously, mm -hmm. but he does the exact same thing that Otto Hightower did last week. Otto took a bunch of people into that throne room and said, so you can either bend the knee or, and Damon says, so hey, you can either swear fealty now or, and they're both doing, again, like all of the men in this world, they're all, they're all playing by that same handbook. Uh, and so I just think it's really, really fascinating to watch how all of this goes down because uh, again, Allison and Rhaenyra, they both both made their mistakes. Neither one of them is infallible. They both have done things over the course of the season that we've all been like, eh, I, don't know, I don't know. But both of them are not doing uh, what the men around them are just pushing them constantly to do, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, one of the things they said, my excellent point you bring up here, one of the things they said, the creators of the show said that they wanted to to tell the Game of Thrones story through a woman's point of view. So a woman's point of view in a patriarchal society. And certainly this this episode itself and, this, and the entire series went a long way to try to destroy that narrative that women shouldn't rule because they're too emotional. Because a majority of the men are super emotional throughout this whole series and making these decisions that are leading to death, leading to these wars, leading to these issues. And you're right. There's absolutely a great um, uh, a comparison between Alicent and Rhaenyra, between Otto Hightower and uh, Damon and Rhaenys and Corliss. Who, we'll get to that scene where Corliss realizes, ah, shit, all this action I've taken Look at all the it's and I should have just listened to my wife instead of being so obsessed with getting to the Iron Throne. It's a great point you bring up, Michael, for sure. Shannon, what do you think about this opening here and what Rainier is going through uh, physically and emotionally throughout this uh, opening sections of the uh, of the show? I mean, watching her comfort 
Jace yeah. or, or Luke, excuse me, um, watching her as he's saying, like, I don't want to do this. Like my grandsire is the greatest sailor that's ever been on the ocean. I, I'm green in the gills before we even leave the harbor. And how she says, you know, you, you know, I, I, I didn't want this either. But, you know, I found out I had to earn I had to earn what I was going to get here. And so you just see the the difference in the way she deals with Luke and the way they have to deal with with Aegon. Now Aegon is he's a he's a you know a ghost in the night like you can't find him and how uh Rhaenyra just deals with deals with her sons with love. Like this is this is how we're going to do this. And the moment that again Damon is just such a fascinating character because the moment that Rhaenys comes in and explains like hey Viserys is dead. They put Aegon on the throne and he's like how did he die? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. she's like, I, I couldn't say I was barricaded like they wouldn't let me out. And he's like, oh, so so uh, uh, how'd you escape? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? And because Damon, it appears, is is all is doing this all for Rhaenyra. We're yeah. like, yeah, Damon, you are the man. You <laughs> good for you, dude. And, you know, sticking up for your woman. Then, like the the further we go, like, oh no, that's just because you uh, you are a jacked up dude. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why you are looking. You want for the information any... to go kill everybody? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're looking for any excuse to start fighting yeah. now. And watching how Rhaenyra is dealing with this information, I think it's the moment that they say that Aegon got put on the throne. That's when she has that first sort of mm-hmm. that pain in her stomach. And you kind of see where this is going right away. And you look at how what had to happen with her mom, with Emma, how these guys just basically tore her apart and how Rhaenyra is everybody stay back. Like I'm the one that has to do like, it's just so uh, just so interesting and just the writing it's just it's just so so well done and wh- where did we get up to i'm sorry i'm i'm lost <laughs> we go all the way to where eric shows up with the crown oh my gosh <laughs> we, we haven't gotten to the the crown being put on her head yet so just to where eric shows up is where we're at they, they bury the they bury they burn their child on the, on the on gotcha the- yeah just that you know the somberness of of that occasion and then knowing <laughs> knowing what is about to happen and like again connecting to that last episode that he's the one cargill twin who kind of took off yeah. um and and that was the one who saved uh Rhaenys too right yes yes okay trying to yeah, save yeah, yeah. yes yes yeah yeah yeah, I think you make great points as well, Shannon, about her and her journey. You know, because for her, and we're going to find this out later when she has that uh, pretty chilling back and forth with Damon by the fireplace. Her duty here is to follow the vision of her father, the prophecy of her father. Her father may be dead. So what you said, her reaction to Aegon being put on the throne, that is essentially another insult to her father, the legacy and the memory of her father, because she is the one that's supposed to, he has bestowed upon her that she will be the one that brings about peace. You were the chosen one. That's in essence that. And so her reaction to it is even more of a double insult. Not only is he dead, but they've also destroyed the legacy that he is he had kind of set out for her to be a part of. So there's a double insult to her dad. What do you she guys? Yep. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I, have, I have kind of thoughts, but I'm not sure. But like, what are your thoughts about how during her during her uh, her birth labor. scene, this yeah. the labor scene, uh, it keeps intercutting with the dragon? Yeah. What? Uh, what's going on? What is that? <laughs> I think 
I think because like a dragon, she is coming into her power. She is coming into her strength. She is going to breathe fire in this land, as we see by the end of the episode. I think it's her just kind of connecting that tissue. Also, the dragons are the ones laying eggs, right? And I mean, Damon, we're going to get to that scene where Damon talks about the three yeah. unborn eggs or unborn dragons that he has those eggs Untra for. Uh, no, the unclaimed. Uh, well, they exist. Unclaimed. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's unborn yeah. dragons too. There's eggs, but there's right. three. I think there's three unclaimed that are yes, and I mean roaming around. Just, yeah, saying. right. So we're seeing that. I think that comparison there to what we're going to see. She is going to be uh, like a dragon, and what is the term for uh, Daenerys, the mother of dragons? This idea of the Targaryens being connected with the dragons in such a powerful way. So to me, it's about uh, her history of her family connected, as the dragons are uh, have a long history as well in 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 um, uh, Westeros. Because one of the, because what one of the, oh, wait, wait, Shannon, what was your thoughts? I mean, I had no idea. I, I, I was, I was, no, I mean, I, fi I figured like, I figured that this would come up and I'm like, I, I don't know what this is, but I had no, <laughs> I had no doubt that Captain Symbolism up there was going to have a thought or two. So I was curious to hear what he was going to say. Well, I mean, I was just wondering because somebody pointed this out, you know, the whole, the whole prophecy, the whole prophecy yeah. of the, the, the Song of Ice and Fire and the Prince Who Was Promised, like, Technically, uh, either like they're like Aegon is Viserys's kid too. Yes. Like true. why? Like why? Why? Uh, why she is? Why Rhaenyra is so convinced that she's the proper line of prophecy because Viserys told her the secret or whatever. But yes. technically speaking, Aegon is also a Targaryen. Like there's yeah. not you know I don't there's no there's no proof that that breaks the prophecy. But you know it's heavily implied in the books that the Targaryens kind of have their ability to communicate with dragons or to mm -hmm. ride to control the dragons because those dragons need to exist that you know we need the we need the fire to fight the ice yeah. uh and so i was just wondering if like that moment with Aegon on the crown and like with whether that was in her mind or actual some connection of like you need to get your shit together because you need to be fulfilling this prophecy and if you mm -hmm. don't the yeah. connection to the dragons will go like i was like i was getting deep in it i was like all right let's figure this shit out what's happening here so i was just yeah. curious I was, I was also curious what Captain Symbolism thought, which is why you know I asked what? the question. <laughs> that is a term of endearment. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. You're the, you're the captain. <laughs> you're the captain now. I'm the captain. Of, what does that mean, though? I'm the captain. Of, <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with the Geek Buddies right after this. Anyway, Damon takes the crown from Eric. Let's move on here. Puts it on her head. It is the crown that Viserys wore. And I love how Damon runs his finger over the Targaryen dragon symbol. That's uh, pretty awesome there. Uh, maybe going through his own, you know, as, as Rhaenyra is the one that we're focusing on this episode, Matt Smith doing really great work in the subtle moments, processing the death of his own brother and his complicated relationship with his own brother there in those moments, I think is really great. Anyway, puts it on her head. She's officially the black queen. They all bend the knee to her except for Rhaenys because they haven't decided one way or another. So she respects that by not bending the knee just yet. We cut to preparations being laid for this impending war. Rainier, Rainiera comes in. She uh, Raina, Raina offers her wine, and she beckons Raina and Bela to come with her to look at the map. She is standing there with all these men surrounding her, waiting to hear what she thinks. She she wants to know who's on her side. Uh, she asks Rainis about Corliss, and she informs her that Corliss will make the decision when he arrives at Dragonstone. Damon tries to strong arm Rainis. Rainis ain't having it. Rainier uses a softer tact. What Michael was talking about the difference between those both how they both want to go about doing this. Rhaenyra asks about the enemies, like the Lannisters, of course. The Riverlands are essential. And then one of our military leaders brings up the dragons, and this is what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Damon says the Greens have three dragons, but they have Syrax, Caraxes, Maelys, and Ray Which gets a look from Rhaenys as if, 
yo, yo, just hold on a second. We haven't committed <laughs> one way or another. Her sons have Vermax, Arax, Taraxes, Bela has Moondancer. Then we have Sea Smoke, Vermithor, Silver Wing, and then three wild dragons, as Michael said. And there's even some eggs there rolling around. So we don't know what, how many more dragons they might have. Rainier says to him, though, they haven't been to war. So you talk about all this dragon stuff, but it doesn't really matter. And as we're going to find out later on this episode, it matters if you've been to war as a dragon, for God's sakes. Um, uh, Damon thinks they need a place to uh, gather near Heron Hall. And then a ship is sighted. Uh, there they get the news that a ship is sighted with the uh, uh, green symbol on it, the green flag on it. It's Otto Hightower. They meet on the bridge just like a few episodes ago when it was Damon there with the egg and, and uh, Missaria. And it was, uh, I think it was Otto Hightower showing up yeah. to try to, uh, Curry, uh, try to talk to Damon. And it is once again, this time, just like in the, a few episodes ago, uh, Rhaenyra arrives on the dra- on her dragon as a teenager on the other side. This time she arrives on Damon's side there, walks through all the guards and Otto. Here's Otto's pitch about how he'll take care of Luceris and Jaceris if she'll just bend the knee to Aegon uh, and that Damon's children will serve the king and all of that. Um, and But she rejects this after we hear about the fact that he's strong-armed the houses of Tully and Baratheon and others to go along with Aegon. She rips the pin from his cloak, throws it in the water and says, He's as illegitimate as his king, as his king calls him a traitor. And then Otto calls for the Grand Maester to bring up this page, which alludes back to when Alicent and um, Rainier were studying by the tree in the first few episodes, this kind of connective tissue between them. She, Otto says that she hasn't forgotten, Alicent hasn't forgotten the love that they used to share. Damon is done. He's ready to fight now. Enough of this nonsense. And Rainier shuts it all down, says she'll give her answer in the morning, we got to, we cut to Damon and Rainier discussing the dragons. Daenerys, Rainier reminds him that when the dragons fought last time, they burned everything to the ground. She does not want to be the queen of ash and bone. Lord Bartimus goes, why are you considering this offer? And she brings up an intelligent conundrum. This was awesome in the middle of the episode. She says, is it her responsibility as a queen to maintain the peace and unity or to sit on the throne at all costs? I mean, imagine how much better Westeros would be if more leaders would have this uh, uh, conversation with themselves. Once again, as Mike pointed out, her taking a bigger picture, Damon very much focused on what's right in front of his face. Damon counts her by saying the Greens have declared war, screams at and asks what she's going to do about it. She clears the room, and then we have this discussion that I alluded to here. Rainier and Damon debate what she should do. She's approaching it from a calm place. She says her responsibility is bigger because of the song of ice and fire. He grabs her throat and chokes her as he talks about the dreams and importance of the Seras validating his being chosen to be king so his anger there essentially his uh what, what not really impetus impotence because he's had kids but just this feeling that he is in deferent or in deficiency in power in this situation here so he's trying to reclaim it by making a physical action that is very brutal when he lets go rainier though gets the kind of the upper hand by realizing that viserys never told damon about the prophecy and, and I wrote here, this is an assault on the queen. This is treason, I would think. But uh, uh, Shannon, your thoughts on how this how the journey goes about as Rhaenyra embraces becoming the queen here, gets the information about what needs to be done, takes a different approach than when Damon wants to, and then goes through this back and forth with Damon where he essentially almost uh, kills her with the, the choke there. I mean, again, just a bunch, bunch of great scenes, bunch of great sequences. Was it Greg? Is it Yitanis? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Um, really wonderful work here. Um, you know, there's something I think for me personally as a viewer, there there is an emotional response that I get when 
a group of people bows like in mm-hmm. in like in like the good way not talking like you know avengers with loki but i'm thinking like the end of return of the king when when vigo mortensen says you know my friends you bow to no one and everybody bows to the four hobbits it's mm. the same thing here when cargill presents that crown and you have that great moment with damon where he's kind of you know runs his hand over the targaryen symbol yeah. and then he's the one who puts the crown on uh, uh, Rhaenyra's head. And then you see everyone kind of slowly, slowly bend the knee. And then as they're moving through the castle, getting ready for this sort of, you know, war room. um, One, I just love the, the technology that they use that you see them lighting these candles on this tray that is going to slide under a table. Like it's just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, And also you see how she's sort of surrounded by these guards and as Damon announces her, this is new for everybody. Like mm-hmm. this isn't just new for uh, for Rhaenyra. So as she starts to move forward, the guards move with her, and you see her put her hand up. Like no, no, no. <laughs> Remember, we practiced this on Tuesday. Like you know, I <laughs> you stay here, I go in. Um, but then you just see why Rhaenyra would be a good queen. Like you see this cooler head no. about like okay, now what is this? What is that? Um, and then the whole dragon conversation, because yes, they have more, but the greens have Vagar. Like they have yeah. the biggest dragon in the world. Like it's just, he, he's the size of, of like two city blocks. Um, watching the negotiations, watching how everything is going to play out. And then that moment, how, again, we're on Damon's side so much <laughs> when, when they sort of excuse everyone. And Damon takes her by the throat and it's like, nope, that's right. You're a piece of shit. I forgot. <laughs> you, you, you might do some nice things, but you're still, you're still not a good guy. Um, you're, you're a useful guy. But that moment, I mean, that's really, I think where Rhaenyra really embraces the fact that, yes, I am the one who is supposed to do this. My dad, it, someone from the family had to know this story to, to carry on. Nobody else knows this story. This, that's why this is me. I mean, just yeah. everything in this episode was great. Well, and it, and it makes sense, Mike, because I mean they've had such a complicated relationship, Viserys and Damon, throughout this entire series. And I imagine throughout this in their entire lives together as characters, uh, with the back and forth between them and Damon being jealous and envious of the fact that he's king, uh, and feeling like he was maybe stepped over and he should have been king. And that's so even in that moment when he grabs the throat, even though he's dealing with the grief of Viserys, he still kind of insults. Viserys for being caught up in the portents and the uh, the tales and the stories and the prophecies and all of that but she has a stronger purpose she has a stronger determination while he flails about lost in his emotion again her uh, compass is different than his it points true north she knows that she's right in what she's doing what do you think about this whole sequence and these scenes here leading to Rhaenyra having that powerful moment at the end of the confrontation with Damon? well yeah I mean again I just think this whole episode is about Rhaenyra sort of feeling out what she's going to do because Mm -hmm. as much as she's trained for this her whole life and as much as she's known it's coming knowing it's coming and then actually stepping into the role as shannon said is a very different thing so you know when she shows up on that bridge um with otto and everybody and she hears everything and damon is ready to go at it uh you know she's she's got the cooler head here and then when otto does give her that paper from that book it affects her. I mean, like, think yeah. about the fact that she doesn't know that Alicent believes that on Viserys' deathbed. Like, all she knows from Rhaenys is 
your dad's dead and Allison took a throne. Last time she saw Allison, Allison was like, you're going to be a really good queen. I hope you can come back and visit me soon. I wish you didn't have to leave. And then she just finds out, oh, I, that all happened? I, I don't, like, she's completely flummoxed by that. So, like, obviously that piece of paper means a lot for her. But then stepping into that room, like Shannon said, with the guards, with everybody, like, this is the brand new, this is the first time she's doing all of this. And Damon does kind of try and push forward his agenda, which he thinks is the right thing to do. But the way that she really stops him uh, and says, hold on, like, let's let's think this through. And I did, like John, you said it. Rhaenys killed me. When Damon started listing off those dragons and listed off Rhaenys' dragon, and Rhaenys literally just went like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry? Oh, oh are we... Are we including my dragon? Because um, uh, I don't know if you saw, but I didn't bend down out there yet. So what? What are we doing? Um, but you know, I, and I do think that like it, they she Rhaenyra does such a good job of playing this character who is both very very strong and also completely unsure of herself at the same time. Uh, and I think that that she did such a nice job with all of that and then to what you guys were saying you know kind of stepping into this role of like i don't want to be a queen of just ash and fire like i don't want to burn everything to the ground just to keep it and what's really interesting is you know we did this all season long we talked about how weak viserys was mm. and he was he's not he was not the greatest king but <laughs> he did he did rule through a time of peace um, a lot of that was luck on his side he made it really clear as he got older that he really maybe wished he had been challenged and had some great battle to fight, but also he didn't think he was really going to be up to that challenge. And he was uh, self-aware enough to know that about himself. Now, Rhaenyra is in this position. Damon is the fighter. Damon is the brawler. Damon's the one that just wants to jump in and, oh, you you know, you know, slighted me. You slighted my wife. Uh, you said her children were bastards. I'll cut off your head. Like, he is just going to act right away and dive into everything. And in the same, but in the same way that we all looked at Viserys as kind of weaker for kind of maybe putting the good of the realm first and trying to figure out how to do things. Like, Rhaenyra has a lot of her dad in him. And I think yeah. that scene by the fire, I think one of the reasons that Damon does grab her is because what attracts him to Rhaenyra is the part of Rhaenyra that's like him. Mm. And the part right. that he doesn't love as much is the part that's like his brother. Right. So as soon as she starts talking about the Song of Ice and Fire and these bigger ideas, while she's been saying, I don't know that I want to fight. I'm not saying I'm going to give in to their demands, but is that the better thing for the realm? Isn't the realm the most important thing? Like, Damon doesn't want to hear any of this stuff. And I think in that moment, when he grabs her by the throat and kind of says, "That's this isn't what, you know, that stupid bullshit that he was always talking about, I think he's mad because... He wants Rhaenyra to be the Rhaenyra that he, I think, expected her to be. Right. And the fact that she's not that in this moment, uh, I think, really, really frustrates him. It's, she's moving past him in that yeah. moment. Like, sh her becoming queen, and, and Shannon, you brought this up, he's the first one to kneel. Then everyone else kneels after he kneels, which is a confirmation there of what to do. But yeah, she is moving past him. She is driven by something bigger. Uh, she has a bigger thing to accomplish. He can't maybe necessarily go along with what she's doing. And that's his frustration going out and grabbing her. And, and what, I'm not that I'm condoning it or excusing it. Just you can see where he's coming from in that moment of why he doesn't make excellent point there, Mike. And she's got to she's got to navigate this. And it's also I mean, this whole episode is her figuring out how to stand as a queen. 
And she says, I'm not going to be the one that starts this civil war. I'm not going to do the thing yeah. that launches it or whatever. I'm looking at it. I'm analyzing it. I'm wondering what's best for the for the entire realm, just like my father did. There's a reason why he ruled during peace, because sometimes he had to swallow his pride, swallow what he had to do. It sucked. He was indecisive. Let things hang on for a little bit longer. But there was peace. And so for him, for her, she sees that. And I think you make an excellent point, Mike, that I hadn't thought about the fact that when she's acting like her father, which he says, I hate you. Now you sound like you're uh, now you sound like Viserys. Um, that's where that anger is coming from, essentially trying to, you know, on the nose, choke that voice out of her. It's a very interesting moment for sure. And before we move on, because we didn't really talk about Reese Iphens, and he's oh, yeah, only, in, he's on only the in the one scene. Yeah, but so man, good. the beauty of the way he's playing this character yeah. is everything, all the advice that he gives, it sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> and, and all of his like, look, you know, your your kids are going to be okay. One's going to be the king's squire. The other's going to be the king's cupbearer. Like, look, he's going to forgive everything. He is doing such a magnificent job, which we've only seen a couple of times. Right. We've seen like where the auto really kind of reveals his true self, and he's done it with Allison. But you see just why he's such a master manipulator, and you know the the way that he delivers those lines. I mean, even to us as the audience, it's like maybe that would be a better idea and it's like are you kidding Aegon is a piece of yeah that that's a sociopathic piece of shit those kids are gonna die (laughs) yeah yeah i also really quickly i know i will probably touch on this in the next scene coming up but as much as rainey's face was great when damon um brought up he likes when she was like get get my dragon's name out of your mouth uh when rhaenyra (laughs) when rhaenyra was actually saying to everybody um I don't want to just burn everything to the ground to yeah. John, to John's point, that great line that she had, which was, um, you know, is my duty to, you know, put the good of the realm first or to sit on the throne at all costs. Rainey's like, that's the moment she wins Rainey's over. Mm-hmm. And Rainey says as much in the upcoming scene, which we'll touch on, but yeah. you can see it on her face in that moment. She has been holding those cards close to her chest. She was clearly not down with Team Hightower at the end of last episode, right. but she had a, has a lot of baggage with Rhaenyra and Damon, And you see in that moment where she's like, oh, it, it's almost like everything she said, again, just comparing the two episodes, that whole scene with Alicent last week where she was yeah. like, you're just putting a window on your prison. Like, that's all you're doing. Like, you're not even, you've never even considered what you would do. You haven't considered who's the best. Like, you're not considering anything. You're just doing what everybody has put you on the wheel to do. And in that moment with Rhaenyra, where Rhaenyra's like, guys, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Th- like, I got to think this through. That's the moment that Rhaenys chooses her side. Yeah, that's a great point, Michael. Also, um, Rhaenys delivers yet another shade to Damon when Rhaenyra clears the room. I don't know if you caught it, but as uh, Rhaenys is walking out, she tosses a look to Damon like, dumb motherfucker and roll <laughs> it's for she was shade queen as much as uh, rainier was the black queen she was the shade queen rainies throughout this entire episode we'll be back with the geek buddies right after this um let's go and let's go to her scene we cut to corliss waking up in his bed as uh, uh rainies is there asleep in the chair there's some fun uh joke from corliss aside but she's not having it she accuses him of abandoning her when she needed him the most abandoning her grandchildren he said he tries to defend himself saying he had nowhere else to turn and she reminds him that they both lost everything not just him so he had no right to go and take off which he had done apparently in the past in their relationship she tells him of Vaman's death and how it happened he doesn't seem to be 
too surprised. And this kind of initiate, even though he's hurt by it, it initiates this interaction that's really powerful between them. Corliss realizes that Rhaenys was right this whole time in the pursuit for the Iron Throne brought their family pain and suffering. He declares in this moment that he will declare for no one. They'll just retire to their island or they'll be protected by all their fleet <laughs> and they'll retire with the grandchildren and live out the rest of their days. Rhaenys is like, cut that nonsense out. Look, Jace, Luke, and Joff are all claimants to the throne. They will not be saved as long as Aegon is king. He counters her with Rhaenyra, causing the death of their son and saying things, you know, people die around this woman. And she says, that woman or that girl is the only one keeping this realm together. Everyone wants her to run to war and she's showing restraint. Going back to what Michael said, she won her over. And we cut to, we're seeing the guys all arguing uh, around her and Rhaenyra, and Rhaenyra is just sitting at the map, looking at the map, contemplating what she can do, what she needs to do. Uh, then we cut to Rhaenys and Corlys walking in to talk to Rhaenyra. Damon is not there. Corlys Corliss walks over to the map, look at the map. He says they do not have enough allies to win. They need more houses. He then declares for her. She thanks him, but also she needs to know who her allies are before she sends them to war. Corliss tells her that he owns the Stepstones, which is a huge revelation. The war is over there, and the, he has won, and the Narrow Sea is, is, is theirs. He says, oh, sorry about that. He says if he, they can seal the gullet, they can cut off all seaborne travel and trade to King's Landing. Rhaenys now offers to take part in this war, to take Melis out there and patrol the gullet herself. Lord Bartimus says they can drain the Narrow Sea, surround the Red Keep, lay siege to King's Landing. Rhaenyra says they need to secure the support of Winterfell, the Eyrie, and Storm's End. Jacera says they should bear the message since dragons can fly faster than ravens and are more convincing. <laughs> they want to be sent. Jacera and Luceris want to be sent. She agrees. Jacera to the north, Luceris to the south, to Storm's End, to treat with Lord Boris Baratheon. She says we must remind these lords of the oaths they swore and the cost of breaking them. We cut to Rhaenyra talking to Jason Luke. He reminds them that if they take these errands, they go as messengers, not as warriors. They must not fight. Makes them swear on it. And she talks to Jason about Craig and Stark, then talks to Luceris, mirroring the uh, the opening scene between uh, Luceris and uh, Rainier there, tells, uh, talks about Lord Bar Boros, and she's trying to make him confident that he can do this, he can handle this. She sends them off as the dragons fly away. We cut to Damon walking in, singing some song of old Valerian. Who is he walking towards? Well, it's Vermithor, who walks up and breathes fire and grumbles. So, Mike, um, the great scene between Rhaenys and Corlys here, leading to them, uh, uh, leading to Corlys essentially uh, bending the knee to Rhaenyra and taking a side. Clearly, they've got some advantage here by shutting off the uh, trade routes and the supply uh, zones or paths rather to um, King's Landing. And Rhaenys now wants to dial in. And then what we see Jaceres and Lyceris volunteer to do. What do you think about this section of the show? Um, you know, I mean, I think that. Again, just the scene with Rhaenys, as I already said, you know, it's the moment, you can see it's the moment when Rhaenyra wins her over. But I yeah. think, again, you have this guy who, for the entirety that we've known him, was just trying to get up on that Iron Throne, get his get his family up on that Iron Throne. And then when things didn't go his way and he got upset and he got hurt, he couldn't deal with his feelings and he just ran off and left Rhaenys in charge. Like, basically just, like, disappeared because he couldn't deal with shit. The emotional um, he too, response. He was emotional he was too response. emotional. Yeah. Uh, and left Rainis there to deal with everything, and she calls him on it. And so then even here, where he's like, you know what? You were right. I'm giving this all up. Let's just go and do this. And she's like, dummy, you can't. What is wrong with you guys? Like, why don't you? The, your grandkids are in trouble, dummy. And so like, even even in his sort of apology, you were right. Still kind of makes the wrong call. And so good thing that Rainis is there to be like, um. No, how about this, though? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great that, you know, like, 
Uh, and even when he says that he has the Stepstones, he also says he put a garrison out there, which, oh, yes. if you, right. which, if you recall, is what Rhaenyra suggested they do like six episodes ago. Um, <laughs> or like four or five episodes ago. She's like, we should put a garrison and kind of got shut down by Alicent, I believe. It was like that first really contentious meeting that they had in King's Landing. Um, so, yeah, then you get to, you know, them deciding to go like shore things up go like let's send everybody out i do think it's interesting you know that we there was such a big deal was made when we kind of did the time jump and you got back to king's landing and you saw how alicent and otto had really just decked king's landing out in all of the religious paraphernalia of the seven um and a point was really made how the targaryens weren't really that religious but Rhaenyra, again, I think this is a small example, but it's really interesting. She's queen of the seven uh, of Westeros now. Yeah. Um, you know, she's queen. She's queen of everybody. And most of the people in Westeros pray to the seven. So even though the Targaryens don't really weigh in on the seven, she makes her kids. Uh, she makes Jason Luke pray on the seven, because yeah. if we're going to if we're going to be their rulers, we need to swear on their gods is basically what she says, which I thought was a really, again, just a really small example of somebody being, yeah, you should, you should be queen. Like you're uh, you've kind of got, you've kind of got the stuff for this. Um, look, as soon as those kids were like, Hey, you know, you were saying Luke and Jace both wanted to be sent on this. Luke didn't want to be sent on this. Yeah, Luke <laughs> Luke didn't want, yeah, you're right. You're right. Luke, like Jace, like, like Jace is like, look, let's go. I'm in, I want to fight. I want to be a part of this. I, and, and, and Luke is like, <laughs> Uh, but so like what do I have to do exactly like is this, <laughs> what are you, no, you're are right. you like, he literally even even in that scene with the two of them talking like he just looks scared shitless of all of it like he just looks so overwhelmed by all of the things that are happening um and in that moment I was like what was where are we going with this where are we going with this what's happening <laughs> Yeah, me having read the book, I was like, oh, shit, are they going to do the scene? I was really surprised that they actually went forward with it. Um, Shannon, thoughts uh, on this section of the show and what went on uh, with all the characters here and uh, Rhaenys and Corliss, and then, of course, uh, leading to them uh, being part of the battle preparations for this whole situation and the kids going off to deliver their messages. I mean, again, great scene. I mean, Vogel said it pretty well already, the, the scene between Corliss and, and uh, Rhaenys. Um, I, do, I do like that his joke, which, solid joke, that's funny. Yeah, solid joke. Um, but it's also as establishing a little bit of dominance, like, hey, mm. if this had happened, like, I would have had, you know, I would have the guy, I would have the guy punished, and she shuts this shit down. Read the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not funny, bad timing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the whole the whole interplay back and forth between them and you can see just how much of a burden is placed on women in this world yeah. because if the guy has something to deal with he's gonna go off and i'm gonna go have an adventure that's how i'm gonna deal with my shit and it's like well you're you're the lady of you're the lady of the house you have to stay here and you know mind the children you have to do all this stuff um I did like when when he arrived in sort of their, you know, their war room, how and, and, you know, I'm automatically sort of attributing this to his his marriage with Rhaenys as he's he's basically grilling um, Rhaenyra a little Mm -hmm. bit like, well, you need you need this. Do you have this? Do you have this? Like, well, you know, all these people swore to me. He's like, yeah, so did the Hightowers, if you remember that. And she's like, she's like, yeah, so did you um like yeah. just great interplay and then once Zing! he sort of 
<laughs> once he's once they have uh, kind of come to the decision that they are going to they are going to stand by Rhaenyra, that's when he lets out that he's like, you know, we have the step stone. We have the step stones. Um, so it's like him kind of hold like him trying to figure out like, all right, do you know as much as you do you know as much as my wife says you do? And once he is sort of confident in that, he's like, all right, yeah, we have the Stepstones. This is how we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really excellent. Uh, going to, uh, you know, sending sending the kids away. I, I had the same thought. I was just like, you know, J- Jace is all about this. <laughs> and Luke is like, he, he looks like such a little kid. Yeah. And as Rhaenyra is, is trying to give him some confidence, being like, you know, uh, storm. What is it? Storm's Edge. Storms. Storm's, storm's uh, End. Yeah, yeah. Storm's End. Um, you know, storms. It's a short flight. Like you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be all right. Even as the three dragons are leaving, he looks so little. And as the winds and and as you know, the rains are kind of whipping up. You can see how the dragon is being jostled. I mean, for for the symbolism, it's just like he's in such an uncertain position right now um yeah really really well done i agree with you the symbolism of the of the um uh yeah of the rainstorm and everything like that is what is going on with his inner uh situation there real real quick question for the for the for the guy who keeps telling us how he's read the books um (laughs) no i've read the story so so what uh so the dragon that damon is talking to yes is a bigger dragon than Aemon's dragon. Like Aemon's dragon is the biggest claimed mm-hmm. dragon in the world. Yes. Yes. And there are like three unclaimed dragons, and one of them was like, yeah, I forget which Targaryen, but like it, he's like the big. The, this is this is the biggest, right? This is going to be a very big dragon. Okay, that, that's in, all I needed. That's all okay. I needed. Not just physical stature, but in the effect of everything. Oh no, that's no, going to happen. I got. I yeah, got okay. your I got your meaning on bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Symbolism always needs his this is the game. This is, by the way, <laughs> this is the game. By the way, what I just did is the game that every geek in the world plays with their friends who are geekier about things when they like something. Like, I'm really liking the show. So is this person important? Yeah, this person is really important because da, 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 da. I don't want to know anymore. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know if they were important. That's all I needed. Please don't give me any more details at this point in time. I will come to you with questions as needed and warranted. And the other good guys, the other good guys, really important, if you know what I mean. All right, let's move on to the last section here of the show. We cut to, well, well, I'll just say real quick, I really liked it too. Enjoyed the back and forth love. I mean, that's a, when you're an actor watching a scene like that, you're like, God, man, that's awesome. Well, yeah. well written, good acting, good pacing, good rhythm, nice uh, surprises within the scene. And you're right, Shannon, to bring this up, the power dynamic, dynamic shifting from what we initially thought Corliss was in Pirates Rainice by the end. And then Corliss, of course, going in and grilling Mike, great points. He's not going to give you information. He's not going to bend the knee till he's confident this woman can handle shit. And certainly Rainier going back at him going, yeah, so did you, son of a bitch. It, it won him over. So it's yep. really kind of good, good stuff uh, with the interpersonal relationship. We'll be back with the Geek Buddies right after this. We cut to Luce, um, uh, Luceris, rather, landing on Storm's End with his dragon. Uh, then we, then he notices that Vagar is parked in the driveway as there as well, which means Amond is there. 
Uh, Luceris is led up uh, to uh, see Lord uh, Baratheon, and uh, we see that uh, Aemon is in there. Uh, Boris Baratheon says he got a message uh, from the king himself and wants to know what Luceris' uh, mother's message is. He calls for the maester, because apparently he can't read. I think yeah. that's why he calls for the maester. The maester reads the message. Oh, no, no. That is what it is. No, he's <laughs> he okay. cannot read. There it is. <laughs> Um, he essentially gives him the cliff's notes in his ears, and then Boris is mad, says that the message is just a reminder of his oath, but with no gifts. He says, Amon at least came with the offer to marry one of his daughter, uh, daughters. Lucera says, he will bring the message back to the queen. Clearly you're offended. I'm going to get on out of here. This is wrong. I totally get it. I'm, I'm rolling out here. And as he's turning around to walk out, Amon calls him out, and uh, Lucera says, I'm not going to fight you after a back and forth with them. Amon says, oh, no, no. Fighting you is not going to mean a damn thing because you're easy to kill. I want you to take out your own eye and then rips off his uh, his uh, eye patch there to show the eye, which looks pretty cool. It's like kind of a crystal there. He refuses and Amon goes to attack him. But Boros says, we will not have bloodshed in my house and tells his guards to escort Lucerus to his dragon. And as he runs out to his dragon, Lucerus sees that Vagar is gone. Oh, boy. Uh, he tells his dragon to focus and obey, sensing that Amon is probably on Vagar somewhere in the skies. In the storm, these guys will attack. They fly out into the storm, and suddenly we see Vagar fly above them. And I wrote this like a star destroyer at the beginning of A New Hope there. And suddenly he appears out of nowhere and is toying with Luceris, uh, and uh, chase ensues. And Luceris is doing his best to elude uh, Amon flying through the tiny crevices there as Vagar is flying above, which is a pretty awesome visual. Uh, Amon yells out that he owes a debt. And then um, uh, Lucerus's dragon attacks Vagar out of nowhere, blowing fire on Vagar. And then Vagar takes off after uh, Lucerus against Aemon's wishes. Aemon is trying to stop Vagar from doing this, and so is Lucerus trying to stop his dragon as well. This dragon flies out above the storm clouds in this illusion that they are in a safe spot or safe area. They can see everything. And then out of nowhere, Vagar just just shows up and absolutely kills Luceris and his dragon. Uh, and Aemon knows that they have crossed the line. And the shot on his face, he knows that they have made a grave mistake that they cannot come back from. Then we cut to Damon walking in in slow motion. This is really well shot. Uh, once again, shout out to the director here. And uh, we see him walking in slow motion, take Rainier's hand, uh, informs her what we think is of Luceris' death. Um, and then we see her instinctively grab her stomach like a mother grabbing her womb to feel the pain of the loss of something that she birthed. And then there's this moment as we see her from behind in the fireplace and then she slowly turns uh, and, oh, my God, I wrote, oh, my God, this is a look you never want to get from a woman in your entire life. <laughs> and it means all hell is about to break loose and I'm going to burn this fucking shit. To we, all, we all know you wrote that down because that's what you tweeted when you finished the episode. <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> Uh, but I wrote that I wrote that down before I tweeted it. So dear God on Twitter. That's how I know. That's how I know Roka finished an episode. I go to Twitter with, dear God, this shot. It's what Roka true. says. Oh, I've had that look <laughs> once in my life. It is not a good look. Um, uh, Shannon, overall thoughts on others? I mean, you're the action guy. Certainly a lot of action going on in this uh, in these particular scenes here. What did you think of all of this uh, with Luceris and uh, Eamon? And then, of course, that final shot between uh, uh, um, Damon and uh, Rainier. I mean, again, just the way everything was framed was to make uh, Luke and his dragon look as small as possible. Yeah, so even, true. 
even oh as God. he's coming into Storm's End to the tower, it's yeah. like he just looks so, so dinky. It looked and like a prop plane, Shannon. Me, 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 me. That, that yes, yeah. a, a prop plane to Vagar's, you know, Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, it was funny watching a Boros Baratheon, this surly Nick Offerman looking dude. I mean, what a. <laughs> You can see how that guy is going to be the ancestor of Robert Baratheon. Yeah. Just, <laughs> so just true. cock of the walk. Like, I don't, reading, that's for nerds. I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think that's it also awesome. really silhouettes, for me at least, the, the black-hattedness, the villainy mm-hmm. of Amons. Like, he just, he just cut such... A, uh, a an intimidating figure, even yeah. with the eye patch. I mean, he just looks so uh, at any moment. He he's like he's like a coiled snake that could strike. Yeah. And watching poor Luke try to try to deal with this, you know, captain of the football team who who has no interest, in, you know, in listening. I, I don't want to hear what you say. Well, let me. What what are you, what are you gonna give me? Um, and then <laughs> he was so proud of. He's like, oh, is it a king? Or is it a queen? Maybe the House of the Dragon should figure out who's in charge. <laughs> like, so proud of himself. <laughs> like, I, I hope we get to see that character again because he was very, oh, very yeah. amusing. Oh. But when he basically, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once he basically says, like, what is it? Go home, young pup. Yeah. Go, yeah. go you know, go back home, go back home to your mother. And then as he's walking away and you hear Eamon say, stop. And then he calls him Lord Strong again. Like, oh my gosh. And like the, 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 the coincidental nature of that statement is the reason that Jason Luke seem like they are going to turn out well. Well, Jace, um, (laughs) the reason they're going to turn out well is because of that strong blood. Yeah. Like all of the shittiness from from uh, uh, Aemon and Aegon seem to have come from the high towers, but there's an. Targaryens have their own history of being pretty wacky. So sure, 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 sure. I'm I'm looking <laughs> at their. <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair statement. Um, but but there's a, there's a weird honor to Aemon. How he's just like I'm not going to kill you. I'm not. That, that wouldn't be a fight. I'm not going to do that. I just want your eye. He's like, just one. He's like, you did this to me. Now it's time for you to do this to you. It's time to even the score. Um, there, there is a weird, per, you know, twisted honor to him. He's just like, I don't want to beat you up. There, you know, there's, there's nothing fun. Like everyone knows I can do that. Um, but this is a debt. Like you, you owe a debt here. And then I, I agree, John. When he pulls pulls the eye patch off, and you see that sort of bluish crystal whatever they've stuck in there to take the you know to you know to fill in the void of where his eyeball used to be but then like boris basically be being an okay guy for a second like oh not in here he just doesn't want the responsibility that's fair too yeah 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 yeah, he's he's the captain of the football team he's He's talking all that shit but he's like "Ah, but i don't want anything to happen here i don't want a bunch of dragons coming here maybe the targaryen's got to figure out who's in charge but but uh but somewhere else but somewhere else somewhere else (laughs) the whole chase was just so so well done and even though Vagar is this, you know, enormous, enormous creature, 
how it flies basically silent over the top of uh, of Luke and and Eric's, and you see you see the brief fight like this yeah. like this would not be a fight for a second. I thought um, Vagar had had clipped him with his talons, but then the moment that he blows fire, it's like oh no, why'd you do that? And you can see how I think Viserys said it in the first episode how. Our control of the dragons is an illusion. Like at the end of the day, they are animals and they are going to do what they want to do. And the dragon going to dragon. Yeah. The dra- dragon is going to dragon. <laughs> I mean, the moment that uh, Vagar chomps down on Luke and Eric's. And again, you, like we, we have, we've had many examples of, of, of the size difference, but not until he chomps down and Eric's literally just falls apart. Like that's how big and strong these jaws are. And yeah, you know, Damon, suddenly a good guy again. He comes in, he delivers this terrible news. He takes his wife's hand. And <laughs> I know it's a back and forth. It's a back and forth. I think you're but, giving him way too much credit. I probably, he's yeah, he's an evil guy throughout him. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. He, he, does, he does a good job of comforting his grieving wife. Sure. For in sure. that moment for sure um for a for a very specific reason that okay well he's excited <laughs> maybe he's using it to his own end but Honey, that's neither here nor there yes the the 180 the physical 180 mm. that uh emma darcy does with that expression on her face it's like and that's how you end a season right there that's yeah. also how you win an emmy i think if you're going to go olivia cook or emma darcy you can make the arguments both sides but that scene is that one extra thing across the goal line that I think if people were looking to nominate both who they would vote for to either win or to be nominated over the other there. Cause it is just an incredible acting moment for sure. Michael thoughts on this, uh, on the sequences here leading to the end of the episode. I mean, my brother was really funny when Luke landed in that courtyard at Storm's End and then all this on, on Eric's and then you saw Vagar in the background, Daniel, he looked at me, he goes, he should just leave. Like, <laughs> you see, like, you see Vagar, you hop right back on that dragon and you get the fuck out of there and you just deal with whatever later. Oh, and this, I was like, is this Storm's End? Oh, I was trying to go to Winterfell. Oh, I, mm, it's so late though. Ooh, I had better. Ugh. So yeah, it was like, he was just like, I don't even know why he's going inside. Like, what are you doing? Um, I thought it was really... Storm's End. I'm going to college. I'm a kid. <laughs> um, like, I would have I noped right on out of there. Um, but no, uh, Shannon really took the words out of my mouth as far as uh, Baratheon's Baratheoning. Um, you know, I think that, I think that, uh, they've done such a nice job. Like this is what, 200 years before Daenerys and yeah. everything. Is this two, 200 years? But you sort of just see the obsequiousness of the Lannisters, the incestuousness of the Targaryens. <laughs> you know, they talk about the honor of the Starks, you know, like, oh, once a Stark gives their word and then you get to Storm's End and you see this guy and you're like, oh, fucking Robert Baratheon all over again. <laughs> just gonna drink and fuck and laugh at his own stupid jokes and like okay <laughs> like he's just you're just like oh this fucking guy i've met him at so many frat parties oh um but yeah uh Amond is so interesting this show is very interesting because man if you are the second born in a family 
gonna be rough for you no matter what. Like Eamon, <laughs> Eamon, you got Luke, you got yeah. Damon. Um, what is Corliss's? Is it uh, not Lanor's his son? Uh, what was Corliss's brother? Vaymond. 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 Like, man, if you're a second if you're a second son, you've got a lot of things that you're dealing with in your existence. life. Um, and Amond, I believe it's a sapphire in his eye. I might be wrong, but okay. I think it's a sapphire. But yeah, that just looks cool. It does make me wonder at what point you're like sitting around going, you know what? I'm going to put a jewel in my eye socket. I feel like that's a move. Like, I just wonder, I want to know, you guys are always missing like the, this six years and this five years. And I want to know all the stories. I really want to know about the moment someone decides to put a rock in their eye. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the story I want. Um, yeah. So that when they leave, like, I was like, fuck man, this is, I was, I was, it's game of Thrones or it's the world of game of Thrones. So I'm just like, this could go literally any which way like yeah, i don't true. know what's gonna happen and yeah there's sometimes in a show in a movie too but like you just have those certain shots that you're like this is gonna be remembered forever and uh luke flying on Erex, and then like just uh vagar coming in above him oh like a fucking uh you know 747 like it was just awesome and then i got like this little moment of hope because luke actually played it smart like mm-hmm. Luke did the smart thing. He was on a smaller, more maneuverable dragon. So he dove down and pulled like a hiccup and toothless and went right into that ravine and was like, look, you can't chase me here. You're too big. And I was like, okay, he played it smart. He's going to get out of this alive where this is the moment that he realizes that being the littler one. And like, I had a whole version of this story that Luke, this was the moment that Luke figured some shit out. Um, and then those dragons, man, like, uh, you know, when Eric's went, like Eric's went and just like, you know, was like, I'm going to attack this bigger dragon. I'm going to shoot fire at him because my life is threatened. And Vagar was like, nope, 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 nope. Not doing that. <laughs> and just watching Luke and Amon be just completely, uh, both of them were just like, fuck, this dragon's not do it. Like this is, yeah. I've completely lost control here and everything went, you know, I mean, when I, we don't know what Luke's expression was because uh, he's down Vagar's throat, but Amon looked just like he had that look like I just, I just really like as crazy yeah. as Amon might be, like he re- he recognized in that moment how badly he fucked up. Yeah, like this is this is you just started the war, like like right. Rhaenyra saying earlier, I'm not gonna be the one that starts this war, but this is all she needed. And in a way, there's a comparison to be made. Yeah, you know, as you were saying, John, earlier with the dragon moment and that the Targaryens are dragons, as much as Viserys is like, this control that we have over dragons is an illusion. Like you see that one moment where they're threatened, one moment where things, where they see see blood, where they just see red and those dragons are just going to lose it and attack. And then that's what happens with Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra was composed and let's see how this is going to go. And my job is to keep the realm together. And then Damon walks in and is like, Luke's dead. And she was like, burn it all to the ground. Just burn, like (laughs) she doesn't give a shit. Which is why I think, look, do I think Damon had some level of fondness for Luke? They've been in Dragonstone for a while, sure. But Damon for this entire episode has been chomping at the bit to go to war. He, He was ready to just mow Otto down on that bridge he wanted to go fight everybody. He wants to wipe out the high towers. And Rhaenyra was like, no, we're going to like, lie. We've got to think this through. I'm the queen. I'm the boss. I get to say this. And I have to believe 
that when Damon got that news, he was like, finally, this is going to put her over the edge. This is going to get her over to my side. Now I'm going to get the Rhaenyra that I want back, and we are going to lay waste to our enemies. Yeah. And so I think there was, I don't want to say satisfaction, but he knew what he was saying and how it was going to be received, I think. Yeah. Plus, it wasn't one of their children. It was one of her children. Exactly. Strong. So it wasn't a loss for him in that way. So, yeah, you're right. Great point. Absolutely great point. And, yeah, using that situation for what it is. I, I just think it's – I just thought it was really well done, really well shot. Knowing what was going to happen, it still was awesome. It still was great the way they made it done. And you're right, Mike, the way they let you think for just a moment, this motherfucker got away. <laughs> this motherfucker figured it out. Oh, Luke. oh Luke, you're so smart. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> as soon as he flew out, that's the equivalent to the, when I get back from the war, I'm going to see, you know, Betsy, and we're going to go to the soda shop. <laughs> you know, it's basically that. As soon Saving as that last out, dance for you, Peggy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. exactly. So just, but it was well you don't you know you don't see the you see the blood or the sheds of blood, but you don't see him actually dying or in his mouth or anything like that it was not gratuitous it was just bam it was done it was great the way that was uh, uh uh filmed so just fantastic stuff overall really enjoyed it sad to see it go we gotta wait god knows how long oh my gosh for a season two it's gonna be forever um but it feels like they're shooting it and uh i think you may uh, one last thing i think you make an extra point as it occurs to me shannon Amon in that moment, and Mike, you said this too, he realizes he's gone too far, but he, but also it speaks to his nobility. that He's like, I didn't want to get this kid killed. I just wanted him to take his eye out. I didn't want to kill him. Vagar doing this. He's like, I think you two give that motherfucker, that psychopath, way too much credit. You're <laughs> just trying to understand it. I'm, I'm not saying he's I don't not think, a psychopath. I'm I don't think saying. he was like, oh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt the lad. Like, he's like, he, he's just like, I'm gonna be in a lot of trouble with grandpa yeah. when I get home. Like that's what he was really thinking. Like he's <laughs> getting... I should not have said fire to the school. That's my mistake. Um, okay, let's wrap it up there, uh, Michael. Any final thoughts? And as we uh, say goodbye to season one uh, and this finale, if you want to talk anything we might have missed. Yeah, just really quick. I mean, I, I mean, we've all just said how much we love it and how excited we are and how much of a bummer it's going to be to wait. But I mean, when you think about Game of Thrones, um, the eight seasons that we got, I mean, they did such a good job of. One of the things that George R. R. Martin did so amazing is like he kind of sit like he eased you in into the fantastical. Like when you start Game of Thrones, it kind of feels like a medieval world and there's not a ton of magic. And then you get to the end of the first season and those dragons hatch. And Daenerys yeah. having those three dragons is such a game changer for her and a game changer for Westeros. That as those dragons get older and bigger and bigger, and they never get to, you know, Bagar size, but like as they get bigger and more powerful, she, you see how with just those dragons, she just lays waste to her enemies. And then by the time we get to season seven and she comes to Westeros, you see how what game changers those dragons are. So to have this series where we've just got all these dragons and it's not a talk about these, do you have any dragons? It's who has more dragons. And that by the end of this season, this battle in the sky that we get between the Aemon and uh, Luke is the promise of like, this is just all out dragon war. Like, th th you know, just to think about what's coming is so exciting. And if they can keep up the level of quality that they've established with all the dragon effects and everything that they're doing here and all the political intrigue and the amazing performances right. and the acting and the writing, like, it's just, I am, I'm back, baby. I'm back in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shannon brought up about the map and the fire underneath the map. I want to get like an actual 
uh, figure or construction of that somewhere and put it up behind me. That'd be so awesome. Shane, your final thoughts on the, this entire season and the, and the finale. Yeah. I mean, I think you all had said it at the beginning, how uh, prior to the first episode, it was sort of like, eh, eh, we'll see. Uh, and then, you know, flash forward two and a half months and it's like the show, the show is fantastic. I mean, it's so, so well done. And the thing that gives me a lot of confidence with at least how this could end um is the fact that the material that it's based on is completed yeah, <laughs> and that there true. won't be there there I, i'm i'm presuming that there will not be a lot of fabrication in the absence of source material mm. so knowing that knowing that they have the source material the writers uh ryan j condal and his staff that they can plus where they want to plus they can alter where they want to alter but they're not going to be searching for answers which I think is going to be a big, a big uh, benefit to this show. But I mean, across the board, the effects have been great. Um, my TV works really well, so everything I can see great. Um, <laughs> but also, I mean, even going back to Game of Thrones, um, casting is something that these productions have done exceptionally well. Um, because a bad actor, a, a, a not great performance, can really stick out. It can really kind of derail what would be a fantastic episode of the series. And to my knowledge, I mean, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on game of Thrones since it was a bit ago, but to my knowledge, it's, it's never happened. Like the, yeah. they have gotten some fantastic performances out of number one on the call sheet, all the way down to your day players. And everyone's doing a fantastic yeah. job. And I can't wait to see uh, how there was they, that, uh, there was that unfortunate, there was that unfortunate Ed Sheeran moment, but other than that, we can let it, uh, yeah. man, I didn't think he was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the the cries across the world of like get that kid out of here how dare you how dare you <laughs> i can't wait to see how the creative team um how they try to top this season because if this was i mean if this was just all set up essentially i mean really really great setup but if this is all set up and the re- next three seasons are going to be all payoff fantastic yeah yeah let's bring in taylor swift in next season uh no absolutely <laughs> this is I agree with both of you. Can't add much more to what you guys have said. This has been a fantastic return to Game of Thrones. As someone who loved the series and covered the series multiple times, uh, multiple seasons rather, uh, it was great to find myself getting excited and more and more week to week to seeing what we're going to get. Even even so much so as like being worried about watching it. Like I got that excited that I was like, I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed. I want to lose this feeling. That was coming over me every Sunday night. And so I, I like that that was kind of back there. Now that there's this confidence I, I, or in the creators, I'm excited to see what we're going to get in the subsequent seasons that are coming up here. Because there's so much story to tell, so much fun to explore with all these um, all these characters for sure. And you're right, Shannon. Everybody, there's no younger Cannavale here. Everybody can act and do a good job. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is great to see. So. We'll call back that Mandalorian episode. All right, we're out of here. Thank you all so much for joining us for the spoiler finale and for every episode that we've done here in this uh, uh, House of the Dragon series that we've done here on the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it, Madly. Appreciate all your comments, your theories, your points of views in the comments section. Those have all been so great. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Uh, Mikey? 
Uh, listen, there's a lot of House of the Dragon coming, and uh, it's going to take a while, but when it gets here, we want to talk about it. And so we want to still be around, and here is how you can help that happen. Um, hit that like button below if you liked what we had to say and enjoyed this little chat about Westeros. Uh, definitely subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. There's a ton of amazing content. We don't just talk Westeros. We talk a galaxy far, far away. We talk the MCU. We talk DC. We talk all the things. So definitely check it out. There's a whole bunch of awesome stuff there. There. Leave your comments below. What did you think of the finale? Did we get everything right? Did we get some things wrong? Did you read the book? Don't spoil it for everybody else, but let us know what you think is coming down the pipe. <laughs> if you are listening to us on a podcast, uh, leave us some stars, leave us some comments, helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. Thank you all so much. And big shout out to Carbon Health. Dot com who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head on over there to CarbonHealth.com. Go get checked out. They have virtual care, in-person care, uh, urgent care clinics. they got 100-plus locations all over California, 80-plus locations uh, all over the world, all over the country, rather, 80-plus locations in California alone. Go get checked out. Download the app as well uh, for any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs that you have on the go. And maybe there's a clinic near you. Get checked out and make sure you're on the right path to get healthy. All right. Thank you so much again. And take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode from The Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.